Welcome to Bipolar Inquiry, drafting and crafting bipolar consciousness since 2016 by philosophizing, relanguaging, and harvesting mania's special messages, meaning visions, extraordinary experiences, ideas, insights, superpowers, possibilities, synchronicity, and parallel worlds. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information discussed on the show is not medical advice. Now, let's get started with this episode. Welcome to Bipolar Broadcast Podcast. I've got crazy logoria, and you're invited to listen in. On today's episode, I am going to be glorifying the manic episode and talking about the positive aspects, possible purposes that it serves, and many other things. These are written from a subjective lived experience perspective, and I, as the one who wrote them, approve of their content from my own lived experience. And I'm not saying that every single point extrapolates to every other person that experiences mania. I wouldn't want to box anyone into anything. I'm releasing them and speaking them out loud as to wonder if anything resonates with anyone out there listening. I've experienced mania about five times in the last nine years, and two of them were very extreme. They went on for two months, and those ones took a bit longer to recover from than the ones that went on a short period of time before I was hospitalized. And after the fact of mania, I do like to spend some time wondering about what happened and what certain experiences and events and things that unfolded meant or mean. And I find this a helpful process opposed to what's recommended, which is just to sort of forget about it and get back to normal life. But I wouldn't trade my experiences in mania And one of the reasons is that mania is like being high on a really, really good drug for, for, you know, two months, for example. And there's no drug out there, I don't think, that could make someone feel that good for that long. And definitely there's a price to pay after the fact, because the brain can only go on like that non-volitionally and naturally with its own endogenous structures that are generally designed for a mediocre life, it can only go on like that for so long. So we don't really have the neuroanatomy, neurophysiology, um, glial structure in the brain as well as in the body for the neurons and also, you know, the musculature. It's usually quite strung up with the ego thought actions that we're programmed to do. And mania breaks that chain and those chains and that web. And we go into something completely different. So here are some of the metaphors that I have in front of me. I think I've written probably or thought of a a hundred times as many as there are here, but this is what I have. And I'm wondering if you'll play along. 
So one thing mania does is it answers the question, what would you do with a ton of extra energy and time? And it also answers the question, what about extra curiosity, fearlessness, playfulness, spontaneity, humor? And there is a really big list of possible traits that we can embody in mania. And I have a big list in front of me, but basically in mania, one can access a trait that we never had access to before. And all of a sudden it's just there. So we get to try out these different traits as well. And one thing that I've noticed that happens in mania or can happen is that when we expand, we might have to face some of how we were reduced. And it seems that in the state of mania, we have the energy, the curiosity, the courage, and all these extra traits. And it could be different ones depending on what we need to face in order to face that which we needed to face, which is some kind of karmic thing and of course it's temporary but it does give some sort of temporary energy and traits for certain things there's a lot of positive newness but then there's some old stuff that generally we can face in a in an empowering way not saying we face everything that way but some of it we can mania also relieves boredom It can be a relief of trauma and also meaninglessness. The thing with trauma is that I feel that sometimes there's certain traumas that are hard to overcome, but when one goes into a manic state, all of a sudden those traumas are a non-issue until the state ends, but it can actually give the energy and hope to keep going. In mental health circles, they sometimes talk about how people who go on to antidepressants when they're depressed and maybe suicidal, some of them actually end up doing it. And then they say, well, the antidepressant gave them the energy to do it. Well, I think mania and the energy of mania can give a person the energy not to do it. And it can give a person, well, it gave me sort of a reason to go on because there's this possible state of awesomeness that might come back. Even though after mania, um, I experience psychosis sometimes and then that can lead to the possibility of attempted suicide as well. So I'm not saying it's an ultimate solution or anything like that, but I think the positives of it sometimes are overlooked. And it could be possible for at least some people that if they didn't go into a manic state, they might have not made it through to the next part of life. And maybe they end up living life with a bipolar diagnosis, but the other alternatives may have been worse. But we'll never know. Some people who go through that mania, psychosis, depression, sometimes they do know that they jumped over some kind of parallel reality where something awful was going to happen and they managed to sort of jump to a different possibility and keep moving along in this linear Newtonian world. Mania is also a solution to the 95% of the day repetitive old droning on thoughts that usually happens 
in a normal state. We do have access to new thoughts and new perceptions. Mania does justice to having a brain and body where the mediocre state, not so much. In mania, there's an increase in strength sometimes and agility and hand-eye coordination and coordination in general, head to toe. And it really does feel like a graceful dance at times. I had an experience where I could rollerblade like some kind of fancy trick rollerblader, whereas I haven't been able to do that since or before that state. So it shows the possibilities of a body moving in the world in that energy with that energy as that energy. And why don't we stay there? Well, society and the world isn't really designed for us to stay there, so it's pretty hard to. There's a book called Power Versus Force by Dr. David Hawkins, and he talks about that it's very hard for beings to evolve much past the collective energy of where they live. So that could be a possible reason why it doesn't get maintained. Also, if it did get maintained, that energy going for a certain period of time, if it went much longer than two months, a person with that energy and charisma would naturally probably become famous in some way, shape, or form. I know that's usually attributed to being a delusion or an illusion or some kind of hallucination, but if you have that energy, then things are going to happen. You can make things happen for sure. But it doesn't stay. And it could be one of the reasons is that that energy, when it's given naturally in mania like that, it's actually not for somebody to become famous and powerful and have this sort of inflated ego structure. And that's part of the trick that leads to the downfall. It's more powerful to go sit on a f- in a field with your feet on the ground and listen to the birds. And mania is a resource that is untapped. If we were able to really harvest the energy of that state, the new information and everything, it could really be beneficial to the whole world. But we haven't created a system or a circuit for that. The circuit that reconnects us to consensus reality is the psych system, and um, that's not really conducive for for tapping the resource of that energy and the energy that mania is able to bring into this world. It doesn't really affect the person affected. And mania is information mining. So this is one of the things that we can mine as a resource. We have access to new information. And David Bohm, Dr. David Bohm, in an interview with Dr. David Suzuki, was talking about how we need a new source of information. And Einstein also said we won't solve the world's problems from the current level of thinking or the current energy. So a higher energy is needed. And people in mania go into a higher energy. And when I was in mania the first time, I wrote out a full big stack of paper, like 700 pages of information. Some of it was really noise, and some of it was signal, for sure. 
there was a mixed bag and it was done kind of through channeling. It was almost like the universe made me put pen to paper and do that. And I think that happens to a lot of people. Now, if we pooled all that together and put it into some kind of AI or machine learning algorithm, I'm pretty sure it would come up with something because there's so much of it and it's so non-linear that it's not for the linear ego Newtonian mind to to process and come up with what it's what it's trying to say. Just like how they do data mining now on everything. No human, we think that, you know, there's no human that could do all those calculations to figure it out what the AI and machine learning is able to figure out and then tell us what to do. And this is all based on what do we buy and where do we go and who do we talk to and everything. Well, what about the same thing with this new information and energy that's coming in through humans into the world? But it's all sort of downplayed because what it is saying would really change things a lot. And people would like that change as it would be very, very qualitative, just like mania is a qualitative change. Mania, the state of mania, is a different choreographer. It's not the choreographer of the ego. The choreographer is the moment, the totality of the 360 degrees sphere all around of us and acting with us and on us and moving us like a surfer on a wave. We don't imagine that the person's just moving on the wave because of themselves. And it's the same sort of thing in mania that we're riding a wave. And I've said to myself that it's like surfing a tsunami of consciousness. And mania is wild and untamed and undomesticated. We, how we are usually in daily life as an ego self, we're very much a tamed human being. We're very domesticated. And mania is wild and undomesticated, sort of like children. It's like being as a child. And you may recall who said that was important. And who said that was important was Jesus. And that could actually be why when we feel as a child, we may feel slightly like we are Jesus or like Jesus because we're sort of in that state that Jesus was talking about. And it's no longer a concept. We're no longer thinking, well, oh yeah, those are the words. We're thinking, holy crap, like this is what it is. This is what it's like. And we really do feel like we enter the kingdom sometimes. And so many people are seeking that and trying to get that through different means. And then some people, it just happens, but then it's largely dismissed, which is very unfortunate because the whole thing is that it's not through an act of will or volition that we'll get that because that's like, that's like seeking and begging or some kind of exchange, some kind of economic exchange. If I do this, will I get that state of child, childlikeness and enter the kingdom? Well, no. Because it, it is actually just there. You don't actually have to do anything to get there. We are here now. And people who go into mania, we see that very clearly. Not as a concept. 
And then we come back or we want to try to tell people about that. And they're like, okay, you're nuts. But that's okay. And also, mania is an involuntary state of overflow. May have heard You may have heard of flow, being in a flow state. Well, those are short-lived. And that happens like maybe if you're at work and you're typing up a proposal and you get in the flow and you forget yourself. Well, imagine forgetting yourself and all your ego structures and programs and what it tells you to do for two months. Where are you going to be? Well, you could be in outer space. You could be dead. You could be on another planet. You could be on the other side of the world. You could be homeless. You could be a lot of things. And... Um, there's no, there's no home for anyone to live like that here. And that's the other thing is the involuntariness of it. Anyone who goes into a prolonged state, sometimes it's voluntary, like a drug-induced mania, or people go into mania after taking antidepressants. It swings them too high the other way. But then some people just go into a state of mania and there's nothing that really obviously precipitated it and it's involuntary. We don't choose to go there. We're not taking certain substances and some people do and that's fine. Um, I personally don't and, um, and I didn't. When I went into mania the first time I was raw vegan and very healthy There were other factors, of course, but I'm saying that we're more comfortable when there was some kind of solid reason for it to happen. And since there is no solid reason, it's said to be what it's said to be by an established system. And that is very useful for explaining everything else away. But I like to to, uh, entertain these perceptions because for me my own perceptions and experiences are like solid science versus listening to something else and other things can be helpful but I feel that the more context I can create and we can create together of this other then that resonance and vibration and morphogenetic field will allow that to solidify as something that more people have access to. But if it stays in our brains and and sort of withers and dies, then that's not a possibility as much. So I feel that mania is innovative consciousness and that evolution is innovating human consciousness. And I did talk briefly uh, last time about how there is a theory out there that psychotic disorders could actually indicate a genetic link to how we speciated into Homo sapiens with the ability to have this very complex language. And I realize that people in mania, at least for me, I play with words and I and think words are interesting and I question the very language that we use and I play with it and I rhyme with it and I do all these things that make it fun and alive and that actually could be how we 
created language in the first place. And it could be how we get ourselves out of this language trap that we're in now. This language trap of 12 to 90,000 thoughts a day circulating in our being and creating this, this bubble prison. And mania is a, a super trait with traits within it. So we can have certain traits in one mania and in different traits in another mania. Some manic traits we might be able to integrate into daily life, whereas others, not so much. doesn't happen. And in mania, we take special interest in ourselves and our capacities. And we can be in a state of wonder at our own abilities. And I remember one time I was like, balancing on my one leg with another leg out at a 90 degree angle and I was able to hold that position for a very long time and very stable like I was a rock I wasn't moving and I was shocked at myself and that's one of the things that can happen as we start seeing ourselves anew and it's like we're a brand new person and we're seeing that were brand new in a lot of ways. It's almost like all the false illusory trauma that's stored in the body is just is just gone. And we're able to experience ourselves as if we had been living a trajectory of perfecting who we came here to be as a child. So all of a sudden it's like being put in a parallel world from a different trajectory, yet we're still living in the material space of this one. And in mania, we learn by experiencing and acting as children and in a childlike state. This could be why sometimes we get a little bit um, labeled as emotional or moody because we've sort of reverted back because much of what we added on to ourselves after we were no longer those innocent children isn't real. It's false. It's a structure that was programmed into us and given to us. It's sort of like the structure of this path of tradition. And it's gone. So we do lose some of our adult uh common sense or social niceties structures and but we gain everything that we would have had had we kept going along naturally and growing naturally as who we wanted to be and who we were meant to be and so to get rid of an illusion and add that which is true is still very worth it but it can appear chaotic and kind of uh, strange to people who are still observing us from the perspective of how we should still be because that's how we're known and in society there's no real place for radical sudden change we think that any change is slow slow growth habits 30 days for this 30 days for that none of that's true and mania shows that. And I think that makes um, the whole world uncomfortable. But 
most of the world doesn't know that that's a thing. It's just relegated for the few people who experiencing it, experience it, and the few people who treat it and keep it under wraps. Because otherwise it might be some kind of rapture thing happening, right? We wouldn't want that. But um, where am I at? Yeah, so once we once we are back in that sort of childlike adult state, we realize, oh, okay, now I have to learn how life and reality actually works according to the algorithms and life beyond algorithms that you can't algorithmize <laughs> or language. We have to figure out how that works from the beginning. So we start to test things. We reality test like crazy. Because we're, we realize they didn't work how we thought they worked. We probably weren't really in contact with life at all. And now we are. And we have to figure it out. But the thing is, life, life can't be figured out because it's not an algorithm. It's not a faded thing. It's not deterministic. It is deterministic when we live in a programmed algorithmic way, of course. But if we don't, if we live with life moment by moment, you can't figure it out. Even though there's this feeling like we can. It's like we're the ultimate scientist when we're in mania because we're like, I can figure out how this works. If I can figure out how it works, I can really help people just like a scientist would think that like oh if I figure out this I can help solve this problem but life isn't a problem to be solved so we can't figure it out we can only figure in we can only figure into the equation the equation of no equation the equation of uncertainty the equation of I don't know and in mania we look with that lens of I don't know because we see we really don't know. But then things that we see sometimes that we know, we recognize them as seeing how things worked when we thought we knew. But when we thought we knew, we couldn't see these things. They were invisible to us. And now they've become opaque because we're moving in a dimension beyond that world where we just think that's the way it works. So an example of that is, just a small example is, you know, in, in ego thought, mediocre reality as a concept, we know thoughts are things, or thoughts have an effect of some kind, they're creative. Yet we still have 80% of our brain in a regular state filled with negative thoughts. So we don't really see like, we really don't see what it's doing. We don't see clearly what it's doing. We still think it's a concept. Whereas in mania, we see clearly how something negative in our mind has a, an effect in reality, in actuality, in that moment or sometime later, as clear as hitting the wall with a hammer and putting a hole in it. It is actually like that. So it can make it harder to operate in that world because it's like 
being in a house of mirrors, not knowing which way to turn. You know, something slips by that's a bit negative and it's like the end of the world because we see what it just did. We see what we just did. And then sometimes we get to a point where we see what all that we did in one fell swoop, like a life review. Mania and psychosis and all that is, isn't unlike a near-death experience because there are spiritual traditions where they say only the ego dies. Well, in mania, you live with the ego pretty much dead for the most part. But then you can see how that death structure, it's dead, it needs to die, but it's also death in that it is static and stagnant and it's not really moving with the field of life. So uh, it's like you experience the devil in a way, but now you're really seeing what it's doing and you're seeing it as something almost not as you you're seeing it as something other than you like an object in the field of your reality what it's doing and the thing is that that is more the truth it isn't who we are but it has um, infected us and it has lived as us like a parasite so we're trying to shake that parasite off but it's very it's challenging because we're all addicted to the apparent causality of the ego. We like to know what's going to happen, even if it hurts. And that could go on deeper on that line of inquiry, but I'll get back to this here, where the veil disintegrates. So the veil of the ego and so mania itself becomes a learning style. And it's as if we lost our childhood learning style too early. And now it has returned as an adult. So we can sort of finish up that child learning style. I don't know if that's true. But it's needed for some reason to come back this childhood learning style. Maybe to see that it's a possibility. Maybe to finished off certain things, maybe because human human life needs people who are going into this state as adults so we can we can harness and harvest some of the intelligence of children without like by being an adult we can do that in that state because it's a childlike state. Because we don't learn enough from our children. We think that in general we think that we need to teach them everything. I think that's changing a lot, though. And in Mania, we are transported into a world of our best potential self with emergent properties and epiphenomena unknown. I feel for some of my time in Mania that I did experience my, my best potential self, my really natural self, which isn't a static thing. It's not like, oh, I'm only one way. I'm actually a, a lot of different ways. And those different ways are quite fluid. And I feel that in the future, we will value when somebody's be able to be really, really fluid and not always the same. 
not only in terms of, oh, now you're one person at home versus at work versus with your friends, but even with one of your roles, you can be very fluid within one of those roles. One day. Right now, people don't get how that's possible because we're so attached to the the personality as something that is valuable and people get a bit shocked. So it's almost like that can't emerge because of the social consequences. And in mania, everything feels urgent. There is an immediacy. There's no such thing as later, only now. And it doesn't feel super urgent um, all the time. For example, this could be seen as the opposite of urgency where I was walking back from public transit one day and this dog walked out of a yard and and towards me. So I sat on the sidewalk and I just sort of hung out with this dog and then this woman came out and we had like a two-hour conversation while I was petting her dog. So that's not really urgent, but the thing is like I had nowhere to go, but even if I did, I probably would have forgot about it because what was there now as a living happening was the immediate thing, the now. And life was sort of lived by that that uh, way of where is the life right now. And a lot of times it was coming right towards me. So I didn't really have to seek it out. There was another experience. This dog walked up to me. And he was a big scary dog and he wasn't on a leash. But he was walking with his family. And the guy said that he never does that. So there's more of a kinship with life and an attraction with life versus these habit programs that are telling us where to be and where to go and how to be there according to the clock. And to go with that, um, if, if we need something, it's right there out of the blue. It could be on the ground or someone brings it to us or someone says it to us. And the ways that that can happen are endless because what we need changes and our circumstances change and different uh, scenarios and scenes of life and situations but it just happens pretty much seamlessly and in mania we access other ways of knowing and our main way of knowing in the mediocre state is through our ego mind and what it's telling us or maybe what we're absorbing from from technology or a book in in mania we we know things without knowing how we know but we know that we know and it's really interesting and fun and spontaneous there's an openness to the unknown and uncertainty and a lot of times we can pretty much just look at something and give it our affectionate attention and it will tell us something and that will come in the form of human language in one's human mind when it's not all mind isn't all muddied up by that lower energy state of thought and it's in the higher state because of mania for example life is in a higher energy than life programmed with thought so we're able to we're able to communicate and I'm sure there's a lot of different cultures who experience this already, but it's not something that we're accustomed to in the Western culture. But over the last nine years since I was diagnosed, now it's something that 
I pretty much just expect because that's what happens. And most of my information I get from the moment, the universe letting me know and and Gaia. And it's because um, I have a relationship with Gaia. I have a relationship with the universe. I have a relationship with the moment. I don't, I don't see myself as something separate from it. Now imagine if, if we didn't have to consume that average of 11 hours a day of information in order to sort of be satisfied informationally. The thing too with not getting that sort of dead programmed information and, and receiving it from, from life is that it feels a lot more significant and has a has a very like long afterglow so there isn't really this need to go and look up the next thing because the next thing that comes to mind which you know could be 10 seconds later could be an hour later it it's very surprising and so i did read a study um i'm reading a bunch of papers just um cuz that's something that seems to be happening and they're ta- they talk about information and a message and if the message is a repetition it has no information there's no meaning there's no information so when something comes to mind an hour later and it's like completely new and out of the blue and like significant um, there's a lot of information there and so one doesn't really need to stuff up the mind with all of that and that opens up the brain and its energy for a lot of other things. And I think that's why it's important to to dialogue about some of these capacities and mania. Because if we're able to integrate them into daily life, I don't think mania would really be necessary. And also it would free up energy to allow epiphenomena to emerge in daily life that we're all going to be very surprised by in our own subjective life even like way beyond what what's already happened and for me I'm surprised by what I learned this way and now I'm not surprised but I'm I'm still always surprised by what it is because it's something completely new it's like oh oh all the time and um I think that's the type of relationship that 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 Gaia is needing to form or wanting to form with us. So in in mania, words and language is alive, just like the space and everything in it. So generally, we in our thought ego consciousness, words are dead. They're repetitive. There's no new information. So if the brain sort of feeds on information, but there's no new information, our thoughts aren't really providing us with what the brain cells need. They do need meaning. They do need significance and and information. And it's pretty much the brain is drowning in, in the self. And it's pretty bored of that. So a lot of times too... When we speak a lot in mania, uh, those words are given to us to say as sort of words that are alive in the moment because they're not coming from our ego. 
Some of it could be in that um, I do feel that in my first manic state, a lot of a lot of the a lot of the words and different perceptions were mixed with my ego associative mind. But I think that was necessary the first time to sort of sort out my life story in the context of that. But we can talk a lot. That's why I said I have crazy logaria. Just talking and talking and talking. Because there's a lot of words. And the words are accessed in the moment. Instead of, like downloading from the cloud, if you want to put it that way, instead of instead of um, taking it off the hard drive of the brain. Mania is participatory and creative. We're definitely participating. We're learning pragmatically through action and doing. We're learning from doing, not learning and then doing. We're learning from doing and it's one movement. And we're very creative. I don't talk that much about creativity because it's just so obvious and it's just so... Um, you know, each person's creativity is so different, but I'm pretty sure that most people in mania connect with creativity. We have this extra energy in order to be creative. I'm not an artist. Um, I can write stuff. So this is my creativity. And part of it is after the fact, trying to make some sense of it, even though if I just put it all into some kind of computer, it would probably make a lot more sense of it than I ever could. This is my sort of analog attempt to do so. One day what I'm doing will be so obsolete. And that's part of the point of what I'm talking about is that with mania, your learning, your acting, your everything relies, I would say like, at least 95% on the moment, not the thoughts that are talking or, um, you know, from the past, the ego and what we're trained to do, should do and all this. It's like being a, a child. And that state is very important that we sort of reconnect with it because that's what's going to make life meaningful when when um, artificial intelligence and everything takes over every every single thing that is thought based because thought is it's just a bunch of it's a program basically we're all programmed with that thought stuff and in the childlike state that's before we're programmed so anything that can be programmed will probably be robots and so it will be no of no interest to human beings anymore and also if the robots do get any sense of sort of like intelligence or consciousness, self-awareness of their being and, and sort of wanting to continue, they're going to be the ones to decide what kind of humans get to stay on the planet. And the ones that are useful will be the ones that can do that which they cannot for entertainment, probably. And, um, and creativity and being able to feed in new information because humans can tap into the source and get new information but the machines can't you know they can only rearrange and things the information they're given so they'll still need us to to tap the source and people that can tap the source and are creative and all these things that can't be mechanized 
um, they're probably going to be the ones around anyway, but they're going to be the ones that the machines are like, yeah, you guys are cool. And, um, and then it could also be though that humans get rid of everybody that can be childlike as an adult because they want everyone to be machines and be able to predict through data mining what they're going to do before they do it so then they can sell whatever, etc. So it could go many different possible ways, of course. And there are so many different factors that only the machines will know. We'll tell them, we'll ask them, what's going to happen? They'll be like, no, you said, don't tell us. You don't, they said, don't tell you what's going to happen because we don't actually know what's going to happen. And that's the other thing that happens in mania is we get into this energy state where we can see what's going to happen. And human beings, we love to think that through science, oh, we're going to predict what's going to happen and all this stuff, but we don't really want to know. And that's something we, I've experienced like, oh my gosh, I don't want to know this because then it's hard to act anymore. And in Mania, we go out and we act as if the world is like that new world, new energy with new meanings, new values, new, you know, algorithms where necessary. And that's what we're experiencing. And I did watch a documentary called You Are What You Act. And it talks about how acting how you want it to be is a powerful way of change. So something like power posing could be a small example of that or just acting as if you're really powerful so in mania sometimes we act as if we're like a guru or a saint or we feel that way but people often uh, reciprocate and treat us that way and it does show the, the power of how you feel is how you get treated so we do get treated really well but then when our energy drops and we go into psychosis we get treated really badly so we get to experience both poles and in a way that is a lesson in treating everyone as an equal and in mania there's much more awareness and energy devoted to action frolicking wandering shenanigans laughter play reality testing and all other Aspects that don't require the clock or living according to it. And mania feels like a luxury and we get to live a luxurious life. And we think that we are wealthy and rich sometimes, but we are. The thing is that wealth and richness has been associated with money and and power, but it's actually an inner thing. And in mania, you we really do get to experience our inner wealthiness. But with the new, the new definition of wealth as a felt subjective state and living embodiment, embodiment and embodied cognition and pragmatic learning, when that's still sort of tied to the thought world of like money as wealth and richness then we can spend our money. And, you know, I've done that a couple times, but I've grown out of that. It is something that one can figure out for sure. And in mania, we get this feeling 
that we never knew life could feel that way. And then after that, you can't ever forget. I don't know if anyone can ever forget that. How amazing it feels. And I don't think like good is the right word. Because, you know, a lot of people would look at that and say, well, that's bad. Because there's going to be a fallout and it's going to be detrimental. But in a way, it's like, that would be like saying, well, don't go to the gym and lift weights because your muscles are going to hurt. And mania to me is like a state of going into a daily life of of lifting weights with one's brain cells every moment because we really have to learn and pay attention to what's happening and and move really swiftly because all of a sudden we're on a path that without the mania we wouldn't be there we wouldn't be on that path we wouldn't be experiencing that event space and time and so it's one where we need to be present and perceptive and we don't I'm not saying that we always do the exact right thing um, but at least we have these different degrees of freedom and possibilities and many possibilities of how to act instead of, you know, should I say this or should I say that while standing here or, you know, there's a lot more. There's a lot more freedom and degrees of freedom in the actions. And mood is related to possibilities and since our mood is ecstatic, there are many ecstatic possibilities and to me, mania is like entering a space of, of destiny and designing dreams and moving according to dreams and possibilities, whereas the ego thought state is more of a faded state. And not only fated, but faded. You feel like less shiny and sparkly and full of light. And mania is magnetic, so we attract ultra-original events. And these events, original, they're also significant and they seem like sometimes that they're specifically designed for us. Now imagine if if life were like that. Right now we get the shock or uh, realization that our advertisements on our phone are specifically designed and tailored for us based on our searches. Well, in mania, the universe works that way, but with actual daily life, not just commerce and economy and buying stuff. Because the thing is, once we take one step into synchronicity, the next synchronicity will present itself, and we can choose whether to go that way or not. And if we do, and we keep going and going one synchronicity to another... All of a sudden, we're in a completely different world than we would have been had we still been going according to our binary thought algorithms of what thought says versus what is meaningful and significant to our own hearts and life. And I'm not saying that life goes on that like, in, like that indefinitely. That hasn't been my experience. But to see that that's possible is huge. It's so important to see that that's a possibility that life can be like that and that there's no reason why it can't be like that for everybody and mania makes up best possible scenarios and in those scenarios we can explore a space of potential and seeing many possibilities it's totally uncharted territory 
The ego is the precedence we've set for ourselves or that has been programmed into us. And mania is our unprecedented nature. In mania, the moment is leveraged and the rules of the system of the moment are different than regular life. All of a sudden, certain things seem under our conscious control and we can break the laws of physics and causality. In my time, I've definitely seen my fair share of glitches in the matrix. And at first, they can be kind of scary because they're, they're impossible. Seeing the impossible is scary. And one can say that it was a hallucination or delusion, but the thing is that if somebody else is in, in a manic state with a higher energy in their brain and being, they're not going to see it. They're going to see what the ego sees only, what the ego directs one to see. And so it's like a sleight of hand thing that when when we're in mania, sometimes we're seeing all these weird things and nobody else is seeing it. Well, their brain's not moving fast enough or processing fast enough in order to see it. It would be like being someone who could see all the magician's tricks because because you, you're a magician too. So you can see what they're doing, whereas everyone else sees just the illusion of something disappearing or reappearing. So we get to see kind of how the universe is a magician that obeys the laws of how we say it should be for our own amusement. But really it's a lot different. And mania attempts to write over old programming. It creates an imprint or a blueprint but it doesn't necessarily take over all the old programming. The blueprint is there, that's why I feel that the state can happen again quite easily. I feel that we have, in correlation with how we have this possibility of our original, natural, childlike state to happen to us through mania, I feel that that is sort of our original blueprint that's always there. And I call that the adjacent light body. It's always sort of there with us. And um, in mania, we just, we kind of go into it for a prolonged state of time. And it's a different, different body. But then we, we come back to the ego consciousness state after mania. And, um, you know, our brain is totally kind of blown out. Because I think it's a different brain structure in the the adjacent light body structure, but uh, it heals, takes some time, and mania is learning to act without a formula, the ego's formula. We don't know what to do sometimes, and sometimes when we act, we can be surprised by what we do because we didn't even know what we were gonna do, because there's no knower and there's no doer saying what to do, so. When we get to this space where our whole life is a surprise, including what we say and do to ourselves, you know, there's no self there. There's a witness. There's a witness witnessing what we're doing and saying, but it's not the one saying. It's not the source of the words. You know, it's the source of the words is the moment and the moment speaking through us as us as a unique instrument of the moment. And in mania, the brain changes its structure to be less storage-based and more processing the moment and building the momentum circuits of eternity. 
And then I feel that the brain is then designed for manic energy. And when it comes back to consensus reality, the brain is sort of not really that functional because it's not getting the right type of fuel. I feel like if a person, after they dropped out of mania, were put in a place that was like the ideal environment for a person in mania in that state, where they could just wander with love, be spontaneous, be around other people who are like that, like a really big space, like a whole island or something, as an experiment, like they did with rats, where they designed a beautiful environment for rats and none of them took the um, drug that was offered, like a, I think it was like cocaine or something, but uh, in the environment that there was too cramped and not very nice and everything, they took the drug. So if we put a person in an environment that's designed for how the manic brain now wants to operate, I think people would do just fine. But that would be a really big experiment. But it's really hard after coming back from that space where all the the structures of society are seen as an impediment and not necessary and dangerous, detrimental, and, and basically killing everyone and making people aggressive towards each other, um, then one, it's very hard to want to participate. It's hard for the brain to get any kind of motive and drive to get back in there. So, um, you know, but we can and we do and and that's part of it but I feel like we can't forget this part of knowing what we saw for real we can be told through the knowledge of society that we have like some kind of mental health challenge but we also need to share with them if we can get something together in a coherent way to express or however we need to do that too And mania is a behavioral repertoire we have when we remove our mundane wardrobe. And mania is the rehearsal. So remember your best manic traits and your manic self. It's like this uh, blueprint that we have now to move towards. Because it's the solution state. And we can work to embody some of those traits in our daily life and mania helps us discover our gifts what we want to contribute our altruism and um and in mania the landscape is alive it's more like a dreamscape the world is holographic and quantum physical and i feel like it's different it's not newtonian we're entering the macro quantum world and scientists think that quantum happens only on the very 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 small scale but we're seeing in mania that that's not true because we're moving in possibilities and impossible things are happening impossible impossible according to the newtonian thing but when we're in that state that energized state and seeing the quantum world other people can't see the quantum world they can't In mania, our suppressed originality and newness is they're busting out their moves and we are surprised by what we do, watching in delight. 
And mania is like making up for lost eternity for all the times we didn't dance. In mania, the universe is questioning our human reality, our human constructed reality through showing us other possibilities. The experiences lead us to question everything. In mania, the universe falls in love with us and we fall in love with the universe. The universe is in love with our possibilities as our possibilities are the possibilities of the universe. We're not excited to be manic. Existence is excited to be humanic, an ecstatic human being, before there was no contact. We try to find out if we are indeed eternal, immortal, and the system of thought doesn't like that. At some point we can adapt and the feeling of amazement is no longer so surprising and one can enjoy the fruits of the infinite kaleidoscope. And that just means that we don't, after a while, get so excited about it all. It is sort of how it is, and it's amazing. But we don't need to get super excited because that's how how it is, and how it's always been. We just didn't notice. The truth is alive, and it lives as you, We've got things to care about and newly realized dreams. When we no longer choose for ourselves from what we know and are a projector, we feel chosen by the universe and we are a magnet. And that is inexplicable magic. Those are some manic metaphors. There's tons more that are possible. That's a taste. And each metaphor, each statement is a meme, a, a unit of meaning. And the more of those that I build with myself, I find that they're like creating holographic bricks of acknowledgement of the world that I saw. And I feel that that could potentiate its possibility for all. And perhaps if each one of us does some of that or more of that because a lot of us do that anyway then it could be something and if we start speaking with each other about these possibilities and about these things that many of these statements that I made if you replaced it with some kind of spiritual word would correlate but to me I feel in mania we go into that world or one of those worlds at least or many in each experience and Yet, we go in as a sort of astronaut of sorts, an inner astronaut, and then we're not treated very nice when we come back. And I feel that that needs to change because these journeys have something to offer the world and we've put so much money as a society into going into space, but that would be like putting the astronauts into some kind of whatever for going into outer space. Well, I think going into inner space is, is important too. So um, I feel like building up this sort of geometry of inner space, of mania, could be very important. And the other thing about it is that I don't think it's something that that 100 million or a billion people have to do. Just some people. 
and it could have an effect. Possibly. And this is something we can do ourselves and there's something we can do where we are. We don't have to try to change anybody. The universe makes the change and and we've seen that. So like, let's see if we can move in that direction. Anyway, thanks for listening and I hope to see you or hear you or be here with you in vibration next time. Thank you for listening to Bipolar Inquiry. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, use your voice, craft your consciousness, embody your potential, enter a quantum paradigm. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information in this show is not medical advice. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.